This podcast is brought to you by ClearBridge Investments. Meet an evolving economy confidently with ClearBridge Active Equities, the foundation of a resilient portfolio. ClearBridge, a Franklin Templeton company. Go to clearbridge.com to learn more. This is Greg Bartalis for Barron's The Way Forward. My guest today is Barbara Hudock, CEO and founding partner of Williamsport, Pennsylvania-based Hudock Capital Group. Today, she will discuss how philanthropy became a key part of her own identity as well as that of her firm, and she will also explain how philanthropy can be a win-win for advisors and the communities they serve. Barbara, thank you for joining us. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. The topic, again, is philanthropy. And I, what I think is really interesting about your story is that unlike so many people who engage in philanthropy and who do it because they came into wealth or they started late in their life, it's really been with you since you were a child, quite literally at age 10. We could trace it back to there. So as a child of 10, as a child, I grew up in Charlotte, North Carolina. We attended a very traditional Baptist church. Actually, Billy Graham used to preach at our church several times a year. Um, That was before he was famous. Um, But the minister had been talking about tithing. And even at the age of 10, it kind of spoke to me. And I had decided that maybe it was something that I wanted to do. I had calculated, my allowance was 50 cents a week, and I had calculated that, that a tithe would be five cents, which was exactly what it cost for a cherry hump candy bar, hmm. which was my favorite, and it was waiting for me across the street at the laundromat. And so as I sat in church waiting for the offering plate to come around, I was debating in my mind of, so is it a cherry hump candy bar, or do I drop this nickel into the offering plate? And I knew that nobody would know if I, if I didn't drop the nickel into the offering plate. But thankfully, uh, thankfully, the higher self in me made the decision to, to, to make that five cent deposit into the offering plate. And even as a child, I, I could feel the sense of fulfillment, the sense of giving back, the sense of being part of something greater than me. And, and that was, that was uh, I never thought about the, ch- the cherry hump candy bar after that. And, and uh, it was, as, as, my, as Mayo, Mayo Angelou said, I have found that among its other benefits, giving liberates the soul of the giver. And, and I couldn't, of course, I couldn't say it any better because I think it's absolutely true. I think it frees us from the bondages that, um, that money and finances can have on us. Um, so that's how that started at the age of 10. And by the time I became an adult, um, I didn't, I didn't tithe all the way through, but at some point in my adult life, I realized that I was missing something that I needed to be giving back. And, and so I, even as my, as my practice, I made the decision to contribute 5% of our gross revenues back to the community. I call it my community appreciation budget, and it has to be at least 5%. Uh, I probably would have made it 10% in the beginning, but I got some static from some of my colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, so it's 5%, but it's 5% of gross revenues, which is, um, 
is uh, is a healthy number and and makes a, a my my uh, desire is to make a positive and profound difference in the lives of the people that we serve and in our communities. So it clearly makes you feel good about yourself. But tell me a little bit about the recipients and and what they tell you about what it means for them. So um, it it is astounding to me uh, the feedback that we get because we contribute to the community theater, to the uh, the symphony, to the Salvation Army, to the... uh, In fact, our team recently uh, spent a day, a Saturday... Uh, the whole team went over p- to paint the uh, the, the um, walls of the local Habitat for Humanity, not Habitat for Humanity. Um, uh, it, it's a uh, like the YMCA, a different name, mm-hmm. which I've, I'm, is escaping me right now. Um, one of my favorite beneficiaries is actually Barons in Education, and that it, through that we sponsor. Uh, six or seven different schools. I think it's six schools, or at least we originally started sponsoring six schools. And the feedback that we get from the not only the professors, but the students about how valuable an experience that is, and that they all of the students receive Barron's um, newspaper, they, the, the faculty does as well. They have a trip to New York with the with the investment committee um, from the school to visit Barron's and talk with the investment people at Barron's. Um, it, it's experiential. It allows the kids, students, and one of the professors from Bucknell University, which is close to us, and one of my one of the one of the schools we sponsor. Um, I received a, a letter, a handwritten note from one of the professors, and he said he just wanted to thank me so much because. They, they use that in their classes every day, that they, they start with the, um, some, they, they have to read the Barron's uh, articles uh, before coming to class, and they start that uh, uh, interaction and communica- communication about that. So it, since COVID, has there been any shift in where the money is going in gen- directionally, or is it kind of the, a similar trajectory? It's a good question. Uh, it, it really has been a similar trajectory. I believe very strongly in the arts. I believe the arts, uh, the symphony, music, uh, theater, uh, feeds our souls. Um, and in our area, they have started taking the arts out of the curriculum in our in our schools. And to me, I think it's as important, if not even more important, than uh, than some of the other traditional uh, subjects. And so we we contribute. We have a group called um, Youth, Youth Symphony and uh, and the Strolling Strings. That is a group from our high school that that uh, sings. And they the, the uh, one group is a singing group, GQ and La Chanteuse, and then they have a Strolling Strings, which is all um, musical, violins, cellos, uh, string instruments. And we support them in any way we can support them. And th- that gives not only them the education and the ability to uh, be coached in, in uh, music, but it entertain- it's entertaining. Um, they go out to local um, venues and entertain at, at, you know, whenever they're asked, um, which I, I think is, is absolutely awesome. It, it, 
it, uh, it creates great joy. In your firm, you mentioned that uh, some employees might have been like, well, I don't know about, you know, 10%, we're going to do five. Or, so more specifically for individuals who, let's say someone who's maybe reluctant or not fully on board with this and is like, mm, I don't know, but then they come around and change their mind and, and not only accept this, but have become advocates for it. Tell me about those people. I'm sure you've worked with some of those. Absolutely. When I said that I had static, it was when there was another uh, uh, partner in the firm, and it was that partner that, that did not want me to uh, to do the 10%. But what we also do is we, do, we give a matching contribution. So if anybody on the team contributes up to $5,000 uh, to a local charity, uh, we match them. And that has, that has gotten, like you just said, that has gotten people involved and people who weren't really interested, even if they give $25 to the Red Cross or um, something that is in uh, that is of interest to them, then we match it. And the the nonprofits are extremely grateful for that. Um, we just had one of our team members. She was named as uh, y, YMCA um, Person of the Year uh, for our local. There 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 uh, there's a group, and because of that, because she's been contributing not only her time but her money. Um, locally, and and we match it. I I fully believe that it is in giving um, and in serving that we receive, and it's an inter- intangible but a powerful um, uh, reward from from uh, from from the giving. We have had clients who have come in. In fact, one of the clients that I ask the question, "What's most important to them?" which we'll talk about later. Um, they said that they, they had heard great things about us from friends, but that what really pushed them over the edge was they knew how, how active we were in the community and how much we supported the local nonprofits in the community. And, and that was why they came with us. Mm-hmm. That's a key client. Right. So it's a virtuous two-way street. You give, you get back. It's, there's really no downside in terms of goodwill and on the business dimension, it can only hurt. So, so, I mean, it only helps. Sorry. Exactly. I yeah. think I think it's a win-win. Um, there there have been you know people who assume that I give because I can give, but I gave when I couldn't. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. people assume that I might give for some business uh, benefit, but but it's not true. I give because it's actually more selfish than those reasons. I give because it makes me happy. It makes me feel good to feel like I'm making a difference in in our community and in the lives of the people around us. Yeah, and you you've mentioned that you've actually compared um, char- the act of charity and philanthropy to exercise, basically saying the more you do it, the more effective, the more better you are. But here's a question: How does that manifest itself in being better or more effective? What does that mean specifically? That you target your spending better, yeah. you have more experience with who's reliable or the best ROI, et cetera. Absolutely. I, I uh, just like with exercise, and that came to me at a time in my life when I was really trying to get into an exercise routine, and I realized that I, my intentions can be absolutely honorable but if i don't get myself out on that treadmill or or on on the weights or whatever it is that i'm using um my intentions aren't going to get me there i'm not going to have the rewards the physical rewards of working out 
uh, that I'm going to have. Same with dieting. You know, I, I know every diet in the in the world, but if I don't actually practice it, I'm not going to. Yeah, have I to mean, I, I work out all the time in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> I can relate. Ex- exactly, and I think most of us. I have had people say to me, "Well, I would give if I won the lottery," which is why I think that that five cent contribution for me was critical because it was the hardest five cents I ever gave. Um, I don't know how you did that as a kid. And I would, I would hope that without your own money, that perhaps someone close to you bought you that candy bar on occasion. I mean, you, were you entirely deprived of having that? I hope no, not. No, no, I was not. All right, that's and, good. And we, and we had a, a family friend who used to come and give me, give me a quarter or something or give me a nickel and and uh, and I no, I did get the candy bar. That's good, but not that time. <laughs> yeah, and you and you and then and that stayed with you, huh? From ten, it wasn't like you fell out of it, but it was like boom, it was established at that point. There was such a sense of uh, there was such a lightness. It, it was I felt I felt um, I felt stronger and more. It's, I hate the word, but I I felt more spiritual. I felt no, I felt connected. I felt connected with the other people that were in this church. And even though it was only a nickel, I was, con- I was giving my, my fair share, as they might say. Yeah. And, and that's one of the main reasons that I fight so hard um, because I, I get a lot of, of, of um, uh, negative feedback from evaluation company. The company that comes in to give us evaluation every year, they say nobody does that. You've got to stop that. And I said, no, I'm not going to stop that. I had to, t- had to take a cut in my salary in order to um, rationalize to them because I didn't want the valuation of the company to suffer because I was um, determined to make this. And what I wanted to say was, well, maybe they would be more successful if they did. <laughs> but of course, the, the accountant who's doing the valuation is not going to hear that. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. That's the encounters talk, speak the language of numbers. I did want to go back. You touched on it, an actionable idea, and it's regarding business and what clients want an advisor. It's a really interesting thing. Tell me, tell me about this. So, so uh, what? And I, I saw this someplace. I don't, I don't remember where because I would love to give credit. It might have been Horse's Mouth or one of the other um, uh, journals that we have out there. But the question. May I ask, what is the most important criteria an advisor must have for you to want to work with them? Well, I've, I've started asking this not only to new potential clients who are sitting with me, and I wait until pretty close to the end of the first meeting to ask that question, um, but I also have been asking it to my longstanding clients when I'm with them. And, I, and somewhere in the meeting, I'll say, you know, I just, this is my favorite question recently, and I just want to ask you this question, uh, and I will ask them that question, and they come back to me with, well, when I came with you, I, um, you know, I heard from this person and this person, but, but they give me specifics, and they will say, most of the time, they will say trust or communication. The person I was with before, they didn't reach out to me. They waited for me to, to reach out to them. Those are the two most common answers, but I'll get stories and, and, and very strong feedback, which is, which is exactly what I want. And, I, and it reaff, reaffirms to me that the communication that we are providing for our clients is, uh, is important and valuable. 
Interesting. And so that would that would be my key takeaway is to to just test it with a few people, either potential mm-hmm. clients or current clients, and see what the answer is. That's great. And 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 uh, trust and communication. I mean, that's the the vast majority, or is that very the most common? It's the most, It's definitely mo- the most common. There's usually a story around each. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Greg. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. My guest was Barbara Hudock. For more advisor-specific podcasts, please check out barons.com slash podcast. For The Way Forward, I'm Greg Bartalis. This podcast is brought to you by ClearBridge Investments. Meet an evolving economy confidently with ClearBridge Active Equities, the foundation of a resilient portfolio. ClearBridge, a Franklin Templeton company. Go to clearbridge.com to learn more.